DevOps Shorts, DevOps Shorts, the show to listen to when your DevOps hurts. And even when you're going strong, it's short and sweet, so come along. Hello folks, and welcome to another episode of DevOps Shorts the show where we invite wonderful human beings to have a lightning short conversation about devs, ops, and other mythical creatures. The show where each episode only lasts 15 minutes and we only have three questions. So it's short and sweet. Why? Well, because if there's one thing we know, it's that great delivery comes in small batches. And today I'm incredibly happy to have with me uh, Natan Yellen who's the CEO of Robusta, the company that's building an open source platform for uh, multi-cluster Kubernetes troubleshooting and automation, basically meaning that this is the thing that makes it easy to monitor and understand your Kubernetes, no matter how many clusters you run it on. Hi, Nathan. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me here. And without further ado, uh, let's uh, dive into our three questions, shan't we? Okay, so the first question is about love. Uh, I have this naive assumption that everybody who comes uh, on the show loves what they do. Uh, so this is a question to you. Why do you love being in IT, troubleshooting Kubernetes, uh, being the CEO of an open source uh, company, go shoot. So like all of it's addicting and you can't really explain why. And then when someone asks you, then you try and retroactively come up with an explanation and kind of like fit that to the experience that you feel internally. Maybe it's true, maybe it's not. So I'm just gonna spitball a little bit about why I think it's the case. But ultimately, I mean, like you just feel it, right? So I've loved programming ever since I was small. And what I that what's that? What, what I I got started with that turtle thing, you know, where you like write some commands or do some visual programming and then you like make turtles walk around the screen and leave, leave a trail behind them. My, my dad's a programmer. Um so it's I guess he got a lot of programming in my that's early exposure, I think, and also privilege and like having a computer and all of that. So factors were all right for me and then I guess I just I enjoyed it like there's something almost like solving a puzzle about it about sitting down and writing code and debugging it and like half of what you do when you're writing code is just figuring out why it's not working so maybe it's interesting to say like the opposite of that when I was in high school then I was in a robotics contest and for the robotics contest the morning of the competition we bring our robot and we're all excited and then it doesn't work and we had to open it up and like replace pieces and hardware and stuff on the floor of the competition. Ultimately, we got it working. It was fine. But that never happens with software. Like with software, you have bugs that look like that, that feel like that. When you trace it, when you gather all the data together, even on a bug that seems to be non-reproducible, only reproduces under certain circumstances, there's always a logical reason. And always, if you know what the circumstances are, it'll reproduce 100%. So there's something that I personally really enjoy about that and again like that i don't fully understand why but it just is yeah it's probably that that uh buzz you get when when you when you finally get it working when you finally understand what the problem was right it's like like a 
high. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, you know, it's a, you know, it's possible. Like if I go back to that hardware, like maybe I really had to just order a different sensor and like something got messed up. That's beyond your control. But even with the craziest, weirdest software bugs, you always know there is a logical explanation there. So like, you know, that buzz, that success is possible. It's like, if you don't get there, it's just, it's on you. It's not on the computer. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I hear from that is that you love logic because you're saying there's a logical explanation and that's why I love it. So probably logic is something that's very important in your life. So the risk here is coming across as like this logical robot, which in some ways isn't me. Like I'm out in the garden, like grow cherry tomatoes and like do all sorts of other stuff. But there's, as a puzzle, it's something I very much enjoy. Like I wouldn't say my life is necessarily logic driven. In many ways, I'm the opposite. And I don't plan everything out in advance. Like that's not me. But when it comes to programming, it's something I very much enjoy. It's like a crossword puzzle almost. Cool. Okay. Uh, and we have a bit time left after this question and we'll go straight to the next one. So the next one is about DevOps. This show is called DevOps Shorts. So in the DevOps handbook, the authors, they speak about that aha moment. They call it the DevOps aha moment. The moment when they realize that the way things work in IT sucks, but there is a better way, right? That way, the way of DevOps built on, you know, collaboration and sharing and learning, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, well, you're one of the youngest guests on this show. So the question is, when did you have this moment? Or maybe, I don't know, your father taught you about DevOps or uh, so when did you realize that, that what the DevOps thing is and why it's needed? So we never called it DevOps back then. Like you were speaking about my, my father and it wasn't DevOps then at the time. But I think my own personal aha moment was I was sitting at dinner Friday night, we're sitting around the table, we're having a family meal. And someone else at the table who works at SAP gets a phone call. And he picks up the phone call and someone has a problem. There's some issue in production or whatever. And he's walking him through the steps, but here's what you're going to do. Here's how you're going to debug that. Here's how you troubleshoot it. And they were running, SAP runs a lot of stuff on Kubernetes. So big Kubernetes deployment and lots of stuff. And he's discussing stuff that's like super specific to SAP. But the instructions and what he's telling him on the phone could have applied to the company that I was working at at the time, which also was very Kubernetes happy. And it struck me, like we're all having these conversations where we're getting phone calls or we're on call, we're picking up the phone and you're walking someone through the steps and you're like, okay, run kubectl, get dogs, run kubectl, get events, look at this, look at that. Or you have some issue with kubeflow. So it's the same with kubeflow issue, no matter what company you're in. And that was the aha moment where I said like, okay, there's, there's gotta be a better way. Like really what you want to say almost is you want to say like to the person who's calling you up, oh, just go on Google, Google it for a bit, read on Stack Overflow. But it doesn't really work like that because from personal experience, it's never just five minutes. It's an hour and then reading and then checking stuff and then another hour, another hour. Like even if you just send someone to the internet to look it up at the right place, then figuring out how to apply that to your environment, getting the hands-on experience with that is very hard. So that was the moment where I get off the phone call and I called up Ari, who today is my co-founder. And I said, like, Ari, we, we can fix this. Like, this, this is a problem that doesn't have to be like this. It's possible. It's possible to take, like, the knowledge, which is all the same between different companies. Like, I, I just heard that someone describing the instructions for how you do this, and it applies to our company, too. Let's take that, and let's, let's automate that process. And that's, 
fundamentally like you zoom out and like let's take the knowledge of the world like let's implement that DevOps vision and let's turn it into something that's automatic let's turn knowledge into code which is very much what happened by the way with like setting up infrastructure you don't need to know how to set stuff up anymore it's like all automated if server goes down you don't need to know how to restart it, it just gets booted back up with kubernetes and auto healing and stuff so why when it comes to troubleshooting why are we still doing everything like the old-fashioned way so that was my aha moment. Wonderful. So it's all about empowering humans. Yeah. It's about taking knowledge that's human readable and making it machine readable. And if I, do we have any more time on the clock? Yeah. One more minute for this question. I'll stop you when the gong hits. Okay. So I'll give you a retrospective aha moment, which didn't act like at the moment, I wasn't, didn't say, oh, at the moment I went, oh shit. But in retrospect, it's easy to make it an aha moment. So at one of my first real jobs, then I came in and on the first week, I think, of the job, I was on, responsible for some testing system and I bumped the server over with my foot and killed it. And I had to like reinstall everything and set everything back up. So in retrospect, that's an aha moment where you're like, oh yeah, we should use the cloud. Like it's better than servers where you knock them over with your feet. Yeah, definitely. Uh, okay, cool. And we still have 30 seconds left for this question. So more uh, time for the blitz questions in the end. And we'll go straight to the next one. Probably my favorite one, because I like to call myself a software delivery futurist. And uh, the question is uh, about the future. So uh, this is your chance to tell us how you see the future if it's the future of IT, the future of DevOps, the future of Kubernetes. Uh, or maybe the future of the humankind in its entirety. Go wild, tell us your wildest dreams or, I don't know, nightmares, whatever you have in your head. Let me start with something that's not DevOps, but it's on my mind a lot lately and I've been playing around with it. And I think that's the surprising success of AI. And I remember when I grew up, there was like everyone spoke about the AI winter and like the hubris almost of saying, oh, we're solved like, we're solve uh, computer speech or whatever in a month or three months. Like this is the program we just have to do. It. And then turn out to be incredibly, incredibly hard. And then in the recent years, suddenly the things that were once incredibly hard are falling one at a time from image recognition to even voice generation. Like all these things that for decades were very hard issues that there wasn't much visible progress on. Like you go to that somewhere and see someone give a demo or something. But like in the real world, you didn't feel the impact of those. Studying that stuff is incredibly good. Like the other day I did a Google translation of something and the result was actually pretty incredible. And like that happened without anyone noticing. It went from shitty Google Translate to really good Google Translate. And there was a lot of work that happened in between, but like there wasn't even, like there was no press, no big announcement. And then now you're starting to see a little bit of press around stuff like GBT3 and DALB2 and Midjourney and so on. And I think the next big thing that's gonna be a breakthrough is for image generation. And stuff like Dali too and Midjourney, I think it's going to entirely change the way we do artwork and we do, um, even we do marketing. Like when I want to put out a marketing piece, let's say I'm speaking about Kubernetes and I want to do something, uh, I have a blog post plan called the Zen of Kubernetes. So once we like found some stock image for that, right? Then if we had a big team, like a big in-house, like art, um, art studio and stuff, and they have someone like create like a picture of the Zen of Kubernetes. And of course we don't have any of that. So like you do it on no budget. But now I can just go into Midjourney or Dali and I can just type like picture of a Kubernetes logo in a temple somewhere with people, whatever, meditating. 
and bam, I have that. So I think that sort of generative uh, AI, especially for artwork, is going to fundamentally change the eye of things. And it's just another tool. I mean, it's like how Photoshop changed stuff. It doesn't mean there won't be artists, but it is going to change the way we work. And then getting back to DevOps, I'm what you'd call a Kubernetes maximalist. So I think Kubernetes is going to be everywhere. And I don't think, like my anticipation is that platform as a service has failed. And we are not going to see more stuff like App Engine or um, Heroku. like Heroku. Yeah, I don't think, I, I think the future is all Kubernetes. And I've spoken a little bit about that in the past, but if we have time, I can speak about that. Do we have time? Yeah, one more minute for this question. Uh, two minutes uh, in total. <laughs> Okay, so I think platform as a service. So let me talk about why I think platform as a service is fault. Okay. I think there are two problems. Problem one is that people, just because something is a higher level abstraction and easier doesn't mean that people like it. Like I think back to different visual programming stuff. There's one, I forget what it's called, Sketch or Skit Stitch. I forget what, but for teaching kids how to program, like drag around blocks and like, just because it's easier, it's higher abstraction level doesn't mean it's actually a good thing. Like it's better to use. It's almost annoying in some way. And two, limiting. stuff like App Engine. Sorry, what was that? Because it's limiting. It's limiting, yeah. And that brings me to the second point. Like I know companies that start off on App Engine and it's great and, and stuff, but then eventually you hit the limit and then you move to Kubernetes and then along comes your next project. And on your next project, you can take App Engine. Like App Engine fits all the requirements. It's maybe easier to use, but you're like, fuck it. I'm not going to take App Engine. Like you already know Kubernetes by that point. So you take the lowest common denominator. And I think Kubernetes is the lowest common denominator. It's like why maybe Java in theory was easier to like compile stuff down to Java and compile it down to machine language and stuff. But Java never became 100% universal because it didn't fit all the use cases. For You're done. Okay. Hi. So Java didn't become what it promised to be. And you're thinking Kubernetes will. Okay. Uh, actually, we don't have any time left for the Blitz questions, but uh, I'll ask you only one, uh, the one I love the most. Uh, what's the most exciting technology outside of information technology? Oh, easy. Dali 2. Uh, all the generated images. Everyone should go and play around with it. Just it's, still, it's still IT. Oh. Um, yeah, I, uh, I consider it artwork, not IT, but okay, fine. So something that's like not doesn't involve computers altogether. Oh, maybe some computers, but you know, in the physical world still. Uh, interesting. <laughs> um, I want to say, I want to say something related to biology. I mean, I feel like biology again. I'm not. I need to think about this. Yeah, I guess that's a good example. So um, mRNA vaccines, and. I think that's been a bit of a breakthrough for obvious reasons, but I think even there, we're only seeing the first beginning of that and see more implications with cancer and other stuff. So I think that's, but again, I haven't had time to think about, it, so it's like really off the cuff. Okay. Okay. Good enough. Well, Nathan, it was not time. Sorry. It was great to have you here. Uh, thanks for coming and uh, good luck with the company. And with Can I just add I love the logo. Yeah. I love the DevOps short logo. Oh, okay. Thanks, thanks. I did it myself. No, no, uh, you know, AI generating logos for me. <laughs> Just wait until you can see what you can do with Dal D two. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'll see. I'll I'll check it out. Tell you what, I'll create an image. I, for I you. put in put in DevOps and shorts and see what it comes up with. 
I'll create an image just for this episode if you want. And we can run with it. Okay, sure, sure. You go do do one, send it to me, and we'll post it on the episode. Deal. Deal. Cool. Deal. Thank you. Short and sweet. Thank you for listening and watch out for new episodes of DevOps Shorts.